is The Talking Dead, a podcast dedicated to the AMC TV show, The Walking Dead. Good afternoon, ladies and gentlemen. My name is Chris. And my name is Jason. And this is The Talking Dead number 84 for Monday, August 6th. 2012. It's been three weeks since we've recorded, and it doesn't feel like TV season to me. Uh, well, it's the middle it, of the summer, and, and it's hot, and it's the middle of the summer, and I don't know. I just I'm 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 not feeling it yet. When I guess once we get into September and things start ramping up and shows are coming back on the air, I'll be good. But oh yeah, right now I just feel like we're in the the end of summer, and I don't want to do anything but. Go outside and drink beer and have a nice time there and you eat, go. eat barbecue and stuff like that. So. I haven't watched TV in like a week and I don't miss it. Like we, I, we, my wife and I were away for a week and we just we didn't have access to a television. We didn't turn on a television. We didn't do anything. We just sat outside. We went kayaking. We you know did kind of fun stuff outside. And I didn't miss it at all. In bed at like eight o'clock every night, up at six. No, you know, a couple of nights we went to bed at like nine thirty as soon as the sun went down because it, you know, we're tired and you know been exhausted and doing whatever all day. And other times you're like, holy crap, it's twelve thirty. What are we still doing up? Yeah. Uh, when I'm away from TV, I don't miss it. But that's not to say I don't enjoy watching it an awful lot. Well, when I'm not away <clears throat> from it, that's true, right? We've been watching. We just finished. The first season of Dexter. That's awesome. <laughs> Finally, we're getting caught Finally. up on Dexter. It was you're only six seasons behind. I know that's fine. We're gonna slowly go through it all. But the first season was great. Okay, so now you know who Dexter is. Well, we know who Dexter is. We sort of know why he's the way he is. Yep. And we know uh, well. Spoilers for season one of Dexter, everybody. <laughs> um, we know that he had a brother. Yep. And uh, that's all I'll say about that. But it was really good. It was good. Liked it a lot. Now, someone's told me that season two is sort of the weakest of all the seasons. So I might have to slog through that one to get to the good stuff. I'm not entirely sure. I thought season one was fairly weak. Which one is season two? I'm trying to remember which. Well, I don't know. I haven't, we haven't watched it yet. But season one was this ice truck killer. Yeah. And it was fantastic. I didn't think it was weak at all. I mean, it had its ups and downs, but really, really enjoyed it. Yeah. It was very, very good. But somebody said season two isn't so great, but season three is spectacular. So we'll get through two and get on to three. Yeah, there was one season in there. I thought it was season two, but it could be season three. That was absolutely amazing, and you're going to love it. All right. That's exciting. It's exciting to know. Um, Happy Wiggle Your Toes Day, by the way. Oh, nice. I've been wiggling my toes all day. (laughs) Don't you know? Well, today is the day, one day of the year where you can feel good about giving your toes some exercise by wiggling them around. The rest of the year, I have to feel bad? Uh, no, but today you can feel extra good about it. Okay, good. I didn't get a toe cramp all day. Don't you hit those toe cramps? Uh, I don't get toe cramps. You don't get toe cramps? I occasionally oh get a God. calf cramp. Like if I, uh, if I'm sitting in, I don't know if it's, if I'm flexing my calf, like without realizing it or something or sitting in the same position. Occasionally it'll, it won't expand quite as fast as I want it You've to. you got and it the feels like calf tension? Maybe, maybe I need a calf massage. Yes. Anyone out there? Calf massages. Uh, pretty much any masseuse will give you a calf massage. It's true. I've never had a massage. Me neither, and I don't want to ever go to one. Why? I'm really ex- looking forward to someday having a oh, real God. massage. I figure per- it's, it's a slippery slope. Like uh, you get so, no. you know, my uh, health insurance with my company, you get covered so much on uh, things like massages and physiotherapy and, and what have you. But then there's a certain cutoff, right? Yeah. I'm just worried that once you go for that first massage, it's like oh my God, and just something awakens in me that I need to get massages all the time, <laughs> and then where will I be? 
You know, I'll Get, be that guy that goes to massages all the time. And probably feeling great. Oh, I'm feeling just fine, but, you know, my tension that I have right now, I need it. It makes me who I am. I don't want to release it because then that's just going to make me somebody else. <laughs> and, and it I, keeps you motivated. Yeah, so, no, no massages for me. Well, okay, well, that's a little weird. I, I someday <laughs> would like to have a professional massage, and I'm not too worried about getting addicted. <laughs> yeah, no, I, I can't do it. It's a slippery slope, my friend. Well, speaking of uh, holidays, though, today is Wiggle Your Toes Day, the 6th of August. Uh Friend of the show, Dave, tweeted me a link to um, observances in this fine month of August. Oh, yeah. And, you know, there's a whole bunch of them. Now, there's a few that are, you know, leading up to today that I thought were better. So I, I just thought I'd bring those up, too. Okay. The fourth, a couple of days ago, is National Mustard Day. Oh, I and ate I, mustard on that day. And I love the mustard. Any kind of mustard, I'll, I'll eat it. So I was kind of excited and a little bummed we weren't recording two days ago on National Mustard Day. Yeah, that would have been good. I eat mustard pretty frequently, almost not every day, but Mustard's at least one a few of times con- a week. Condiments that are amazing because yeah. it's it tastes good. It gives anything better flavor, and it's like zero calories. None. Yeah, none. It's delicious. You can just have yourself a cup of mustard. Yes, <laughs> I as a as a kid, I used to have mustard sandwiches, bread and mustard. Good stuff. Good stuff. Yesterday was International Beer Day. Which is fine. It's an actual thing. Like, I got a full-on big website and everything. I never, I didn't have a beer yesterday. I did, and I had two before you got here, so. Right. Feeling good. <laughs> Feeling all right. It was also National Underwear Day. I wore underwear yesterday. The only reason I mentioned that one, because this one is a little bit corporate. This is put on by some underwear company. Oh, I see. They, they invented National Underwear Day. Right. So, no reason to celebrate it. It's just about selling more underwear, but it does kind of sound funny. I didn't buy any underwear yesterday. Well, that's good. I did wear underwear yesterday. Very good. Next, August the 5th. I guess, I don't know if it's the 5th or if it's like the first Saturday or Sunday in the month or something like that, but uh, next year, you'll know to go buy some and yeah. celebrate with your with your hard-earned money. And I'll try and remember Derek's birthday because it was his birthday yesterday on the 5th and I forgot it. Oh, good. Well, now you can tie those two together. Yeah. <laughs> Derek, birthday, underwear. Got there it. you go. <laughs> Perfect. Uh, so as I do each podcast here, I want to remind everyone about our best way to kill a zombie contest. It mm-hmm. is ongoing. We have got, uh, a number of good entries. The way you enter is by going to our Facebook page at facebook.com slash the talking dead and posting your favorite way to kill a zombie. Now I say favorite, but it can be, you know, it can be most, whatever you want, most creative, most, uh, effective, funniest, wackiest, whatever you want. Just just ways to kill zombies. Put your fingers on the keyboard and type a way to kill a zombie. It's pretty much all we're asking. <laughs> That's it. If you don't use Facebook, feel free to send your entry by email too. Put your fingers on the keyboard and write an email. And type talkingdeadpodcast at gmail.com into your favorite email client and send us your, uh, your zombie killing method there. Good plan. So that is running for the rest of this month, all of September, and partway into October until Season 3 premiere night, and we will announce the winner on our first podcast after the premiere, which will be about the premiere. Good plan. The prize, just to remind everyone, is a Walking Dead um, like messenger bag type thing, over-the-shoulder bag, nice with some stuff in it. And we're, we're, we're adding things to this bag as we go along. What's in there right now is one of Dave's comics, uh, one of Dave's Stranger comics, nice. which is exciting. Um, what else? Probably one of our Talking Dead USB bottle openers. That'd be good. That'd be good. Handy. Very Store handy. data and open your beer. Mm-hmm. 
sort of. It, it opens the bottles okay. <laughs> <laughs> Was there anything else in there? Well, very groovy stuff. We'll, we'll find something else to put in there. Obviously, very groovy stuff. There's one or two more things that are just on the cusp that may or may not end up in the bag. We could put money in there. We'll see. We're not putting money well, in there. Well, we could put in a loony and a toonie, especially if they're not Canadian, whoever wins. Because then they have some Canadian coins. <laughs> you really want to come and win a loony and a toonie, Canadian <laughs> coins. <laughs> Wait till they have the $5 coin. It is worth about the same as American dollars, just so you know. Yeah. It's good stuff. Sure, I guess so. <laughs> the guy who made the loony, who designed the loony, uh, was born just outside of Sault Ste. Marie in a place called Echo Bay. And there's a giant loony in Echo Bay. There's a population of like 300 people. And uh, I have a picture of myself standing underneath this giant loony. And it was erected there because he invented it? That's Well, he didn't invent it, but he designed or it. designed it, yeah. right. That's right. Was there some sort of government-sanctioned contest to design the coin? Is that how it worked? Or was he t- a- it was in the 80s. I wasn't paying attention. I don't yeah. know. All right. I guess so. Okay, well, um, that's the reminder for the contest, so send your entries over on our Facebook page. Today on the program, we've got some news and listener feedback. It's probably going to be a quick one, but that's okay. All right. Should we talk about Batman or anything before we get into it? Why? Well, because we've both seen The Dark Knight Rises. It's kind of a big deal as a movie. Really? We talked about The Avengers. Didn't we talk about it already? No, we talked about the... Well, maybe personally. Oh, I see. No, I don't think we have, actually. Because you saw it way before I did. Yeah, but I described I saw it in a bad situation. Oh, that's true. That's yeah, true. It was a crappy theater, uh, the crappy sound, crappy video, annoying talking people beside us, a guy checking his Blackberry all the time in front of us. Have you gone back to rewatch it yet? Because I've seen no, it twice I now. Haven't, I haven't gone back. Well, I, I kind of liked it. Let me just say that. Uh, I, I did kind of like it, but the, the, the deck was stacked against it for this, uh, this viewing. So right, I have okay. to watch it again just to make sure. Well, I just bring it up because we did talk about the Avengers when it came out. That's true. And I thought, you know, we'll probably skip talking about Spider-Man, the amazing Spider-Man. Right. I don't know if you've even gone to see that, have you? I have. Okay. So we'll, we'll skip that. And I thought maybe we could throw a couple of uh, words out about The Dark Knight right. Rises. Because I have seen it twice, and I, I had, uh, my first viewing of it was semi-bad too, but but I didn't really know it until I walked out of the theater. Right. Because I went to this new, supposedly brand new IMAX theater, not far from my house, to right. watch it. Oh, yeah. Have you ever heard the term LIMAX? No. Well, LIMAX is sort of been coined by movie pundits to describe these technically IMAX theaters or what they're calling IMAX theaters that aren't really IMAX theaters. And no, I the theaters themselves <laughs> are not IMAX. Here's the deal. As you know, IMAX is a six-story screen yep. and 70-millimeter films projected onto that screen. Right. Beautiful-looking, super amazing, incredibly gorgeous-looking film. Right. Well, the new theaters that they're building that they are calling IMAX are actually digital projections onto a screen that is bigger than your normal movie screen, but it's not a six-story IMAX screen. Right. And they're calling it IMAX because it's bigger. But first of all, it's digital projection, which is not 70-millimeter film. Now, IMAX is a trademark term. Uh, I, yeah, but I guess IMAX is doing this. IMAX is selling their name to these theaters, oh, sons of bitches. which which sucks because they're they're watering down their product. Basically. They are, and they're Canadian too. I know, which sucks. So the only IMAX theater, true IMAX theater that I know of, is the one downtown. Right. I guess there might be others in the greater Toronto area, but there's the one downtown. And so this one I went to thinking I was going to see the movie in IMAX, and they also market these, you know, 
reclining seats and shit like that and a little right. extra leg room and so on. So they're they're building it up for you. But it wasn't. I came out and I realized, wait a minute, that wasn't IMAX. That was Limax. And then I was pissed because that was $18 to go and see an IMAX movie that wasn't even real IMAX. Well, you should go talk to the manager and say, hey, I was expecting an IMAX movie. Please give, refund my ticket. Here's what. Here's something else that actually pissed me off even more. A week later, I went to a different theater with my wife to watch the movie again because she hadn't seen it and she wanted to go see it. Right. So we walk into this other theater and I'm purchasing tickets for the AVX version of right. The Dark Knight Rises, which is a thing here, at least in Cineplex theaters in Canada, where audio, it's called, it stands for Audio Visual Experience. Right. And what they market this as is a bigger wall-to-wall screen, digital projection, fancier seats, kind of the same thing as what the LIMAX theaters are. Right. And, I'm, and I didn't know that, so I was like, okay... I'm going to go see what AVX is, see what the big deal is, see if it's any better than your regular movie uh, movie theater. So I'm standing there buying the tickets. It's uh, reserved seating, too, which yeah, is interesting. Yeah, I was going to mention that. that uh, that's the one feature uh, of AVX that actually I like. Well, I could go on for a long time. Reserved seating isn't as good as you think. But it, before I get to that... I've been to reserved seating movies, and I kind of I like it. Okay, well, but don't. The problem is people have no impetus to get there on time. No, then. they don't, and they should shut the friggin' doors uh, during the previews. So when we were sitting there watching trailers and uh, a, a a really upsetting number of commercials, I'll tell you that too. Yeah. Um, people are still coming in. They're coming in. They're coming in. You know, the movie's beginning, and there's people coming in. I, I actually don't like reserved seating because there's no reason for people to get there on time anymore. If you the, want a good seat without reserved seating, you need to get there and get your good seats. Yeah. You need to uh, couple reserved seating with uh, theater etiquette. You know, if you shut the doors close when the performance starts. Yeah, but well, that's that's a theater theater. In a movie theater, there's none of that. And I'll I don't fault the actual theaters because that's. That's hard to do. I mean, that's hard to enforce. People have been used to being able to come to a movie whenever for a long time. Right. And if they close those doors, they're going to have a lot of upset, angry people, which, uh, you know, I can understand them not wanting to deal with. But that's a whole other thing. So I was upset about that. People are coming in constantly and no one's there on time or whatever. Um, anyways, what I was originally going to complain about is I'm sitting there, not sitting there, I was buying the tickets. And a guy walks up beside me to the other, like, ticket booth yep. and asks what AVX is. And the girl said, oh, it's audiovisual experience. It's bigger screen. She describes it. And he says, is it IMAX? And she says, yeah, it's IMAX. Oh. And I, I turned to the guy and I said, buddy, it's not IMAX. It's a bigger screen, but it's not IMAX. If you're going to pay extra for it, you should know that going in. Yeah. Right in front of her, I said No this. kidding. And uh, he said, is it good? And I said, I don't know. I'm going to see my first AVX movie tonight, too. I think we were in the same same, same theater. Right. But uh, the girl there at the ticket desk didn't say anything and just sold him the tickets, and uh, that was that. But I think Cineplex needs to stop telling people. You know, if they're marketing these as IMAX, they at least need to stop telling people they're IMAX, especially when they're not calling the theater IMAX. Right. Can I say IMAX anymore? I don't know if you can. Have we got the rights to say IMAX? <laughs> I don't know. Probably not. IMAX does film is 70 millimeter film, film, but it's it's 35 millimeter turned on its side, right? Right. Yeah, so it's just, it's the same film, sort of film stock. No, it's not. And I think it looks so good because it runs so fast through the projector. Oh, that right? too. It just, it runs twice the speed as a regular film. Exactly. So, 
Anyhow, that's my rant. Um, Do you ever see one of the IMAX reels? Uh, they're huge. Yeah, it's it's like my arm span. It's just huge. Oh, and they're like eight hundred pounds or something yeah. too. You massive, know, it's, it's a big deal. Uh, but the movie was okay. Oh, good. <laughs> and I don't know if we need to talk about it anymore. I, I <laughs> put it this way: not as good as the Dark Knight, but still pretty good. Yeah, that's my opinion. Did you uh, did you figure out how uh, how Bruce Wayne got back to uh, Gotham City? Oh, th- there's no way to figure that out. He's he, Bruce Wayne. He could get back if anybody could get out of there without any money and get back to Gotham City. It's Bruce Wayne <laughs> from who knows where around the world. Exactly. And he can get back into yeah something that. All he has to do is walk until he finds a bank machine, and then, oh, I guess he doesn't have a bank card with him. And he, and... uh, He didn't have any I don't want to give away too much here, but the whole, one of the points of this film is that they bankrupted Wayne Enterprises. Yeah. So... I'm sure he has an account somewhere. That was the biggest... And he has bank cards stored all over the world. Yeah, okay, but not only that, (laughs) like, the city is, um under some sort of duress, let's oh, just say. Oh, getting into the city, not a problem either. Come on. <laughs> what, what's he just going to walk across the ice? Yeah, first of all. Second <laughs> of all, he probably has like water shoes that he could walk on the water if it cracks. <laughs> Second of all, he could just parachute into the damn thing. Uh, I don't see uh, It bugged me. It bugged me the first time and the second time. I liked the movie more the second time I watched it. Maybe they're going to release webisodes on how he got back. I got more out of it the second time. I... I it just, I don't know. I liked it more. It all was a more cohesive package the second time, except there were still some big glaring problems with it. Right. And that sort of middle act there, which I won't talk about too much, is the biggest problem in the movie. Right. But pretty good. If you haven't seen The Dark Knight Rises, it beat out uh, Total Recall this uh, weekend. Uh, really? On Total Recall's opening. So That's too bad for Total Recall. Sucks to be Total Recall. I'm totally going to see Total Recall because it was totally filmed in Toronto. Yeah, I'm going to see it too, because I'm all by myself, and uh, I have lots of time to watch movies. Nice. But enough about that. Let's move on to this. The Walking Dead News. Crap, that was a long A block, eh? We've been going for about 20 minutes already. Yeah, well, as soon as you say it's probably going to be a short one, we're screwed. (laughs) Well, from here on. It's going to be a long one. All right. Uh, Probably short. Okay, so do you remember a few weeks ago we were talking about... um, the Walking Dead's oversaturation in the market and how it's kind of too many things right now? Uh, no, we weren't actually talking about that. The uh, You had posed a question as to what we thought about it possibly being oversaturated, and I said that uh, it wasn't quite yet oversaturated, but it was on the cusp. It was your opinion that uh, that it was oversaturated. All right, well, what do you think about this? Something's wrong with my headphones. No, it's... It, oh, you fixed it. It's the same problem I'm All having right. with my headphones. All right, well, now it's good. Don't touch that. All right, never touch that again. <laughs> um, okay, well, you're 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 absolutely right. I sort of thought we were at a point where The Walking Dead was everywhere and too many places. Right. And I guess you weren't quite there yet. Now, however, The Walking Dead is becoming a haunted house at Universal Orlando Resorts and Universal Studios Hollywood. Of course it is. So not only is it a comic, a TV show, a couple of video games, you can't uh, figures, fault everything else, a ride or something at uh, Universal Studios, whatever that place is, because Back to the Future has stuff and Star Wars has stuff, and like all the good movies get rides. They all do. Yeah, I, that's a good point. And some of the good rides get movies. <laughs> Yeah, they get one good movie and two shitty ones. Yes. Uh, so here's what uh, here's what this article had to say. The theme parks announced today 
that both U.S. locations will be teaming up with AMC and Robert Kirkman to bring the Walking Dead experience to their new Halloween throwdown, Halloween Horror Nights. It's perfect. So it does sound sort of fun. I mean, I'm, I'm all for Halloween Horror Nights. Um, the Universal Orlando and Hollywood teams have worked in conjunction with many members of the AMC creative team, particularly co-executive producer Greg Nicotero. Expect to see many more familiar images like the one above, which obviously you can't see here, as well as mobs of zombies wandering around the theme parks. Hmm. Now, this this is in conjunction with AMC and the TV show more than The Walking Dead sort of proper, the comic book. Right. Well, yeah. And I was wondering, I wonder how, like, Robert Kirkman must retain a lot, most of the control on The Walking Dead as a brand. Right. Well, yeah. So he clearly has to be okay with this for it to happen, you would think, unless he's signed away some amount of rights to AMC. It's hard to tell. I mean, anything could have happened behind the scenes. He could have signed away the rights. He could have signed away control, but retained uh, some rights. Uh, It could be a split thing. It could be any number of... I guess so. Yeah, it, it could be. It could be a lot of things, but I, I don't know. I kind of feel like he's probably still the man holding all the strings here when it comes to. Or the they Walking gave him Dead. the rights and said, "Okay, you can keep the rights for the comic book and TV and T-shirts, but we get the rights to, uh, you know, action figures and trading cards and board games and whatever else and, we can think and of." And theme park rides. Well, yeah, and anything <laughs> else we can think of. And there's that uh, that other thing, right? Everything else. And he's like, "Yeah, okay, I can't think of anything else, so whatever." And then all of a sudden, they come up with this with this theme ride. It's like, ah, crap! But at yeah. least he's got the T-shirt rights because that's a really good uh, that's a really good pie to have. The the the. Uh, Clothing and apparel rights are probably good, yeah. yeah. Uh, anyways, um, I don't know. I was, I'm getting to the point where I'm no longer surprised to see new spinoffs based on The Walking Dead. Well, what's left? But it does, well, it does kind of get to me a little bit. And I'm trying not to be like that. Because if I was a guy who came up with this fantastic idea that everyone loves and, you know, people want to make video games and TV shows and shirts and hats and everything out of it, I'd probably go for it too. I mean, the guy needs to eat. Yeah, and there's a danger. There's a very real danger of a backlash. Like, well, that is a problem. You gotta, you gotta manage these things carefully. Look right? at Spice Girls. Uh, I try not to anymore. <laughs> They're old now. Well, but uh, you know, this the, the Spice Girls brand got way out of control. Right, and there was this huge backlash, and all of a sudden they're pariahs, and they can't sell a record or a T-shirt or a hat to save their lives. I didn't realize that happened with the Spice Girls. Oh, yeah. I, I was never really a fan. I didn't pay much attention. You know what's weird? Nope. I, I remember the day it happened. They walked into a, a live performance or something in like Hungary, or, and they got booed and because like, they were they sell, just, sold out. It, the whole thing was just oversaturated. But the same thing happened to The Simpsons too. The Simpsons got <laughs> way oversaturated, and they're still kicking around. They are, and they still have their ups and downs, though. I saw Ice Age, the fourth Ice Age movie, oh, yeah. uh, two days ago, yep. and before that, they played a short Simpsons, a short film, a short Simpsons movie before it. Right. And uh, it, it felt kind of cheesy because it was all about Maggie, so there was no actual dialogue in it, and therefore no voice actors required. Right. Eh, felt kind of like a if giant a, cash if, grab. If you're Hank Azaria or whatever his name that plays Homer. And like 50 other characters or the lady who does Bart, Mm -hmm. uh, because that's all she does is Bart. Mm -hmm. Uh, I think that that would be a fantastic job. I was listening to an interview with these people and they show up on Mondays to record that week's episode. And by noon, they're done. 
And they get paid $800,000 an episode. That's right. It's something probably, absolutely ridiculous amount of money for, per episode. Probably $5 million, And they actually. work four hours a week now. Yeah, it's a great fucking job, and man. And you show up and you sit in a little booth and you're like, okay, where's my coffee? Thank you very much. Where's my paper? I'm going to read my paper while I'm doing these lines. And uh, bring me the script. I need to read it over for four minutes before we start. That's here. right. Yeah. It sounds like a pretty good job. That would be a really good job. And after doing it for 20 seasons, I mean, it's got to just roll off the tongue like it's nothing. Yeah. Well, um, speaking of good jobs, Greg Nicotero had this to say about the theme park. We want people to experience the same terror of the Walker-filled reality our characters faced in seasons one and two and will continue to face in our third season. Our collaboration with Universal, Universal Studios creative teams is exciting as we work to truly capture the essence of the show. So if you want to feel like you're on the Walking Dead TV show, head down to Universal Orlando or Hollywood and... Sounds, there you go. Sounds kind of boring, actually, because uh, <laughs> if you want to feel like you're in The Walking Dead, it's really, really long periods of extreme boredom. <laughs> or there's going to be a lot of talking amongst living characters. Yeah, they got to talk and they got to argue and they got to discuss options and figure it out. It seems like a whole thing. I, I don't, I don't believe that for a second. Well, John Murdy, creative director at Universal Studios Hollywood, said the goal is to make guests of Halloween Horror Nights feel like they are trapped in the world of The Walking Dead, using all of the attention to detail and movie quality production values that Halloween Horror Nights has become famous for. You're no longer sitting on a couch watching a show. You're living it. You are the couch. <laughs> <laughs> I don't want to be a couch. Me neither. <laughs> Depends who's sitting on it, maybe. Yeah, well, it, yeah, just I don't think that it's going to be, you know, exactly what the characters are uh, living through. I think it's going to be a haunted house with zombies. Well, okay. I, for one, think this is going to be fantastic. Yeah. And that's... Be and uh, we've been... Uh, we've been down on stuff a lot lately. Have you noticed that? Kind of a little bit. It's a little, life choice. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> it's just the way what? you're going through life. <laughs> yeah. No, we were kind of down on um, the video game, the Telltale game. I don't think we were down. Well, we were a little lukewarm I on was, it. Yeah. Well, you know, everyone else, everyone else loves it. We were down on the Walking Dead Escape a little bit. So I don't want to shit Until on we knew the, what it was. And then, we th and then it <laughs> seemed pretty good. So I don't want to dump on the Haunted House too much. Because it could be really fun. And as a child, I really enjoyed a good haunted house. Did you? So this one might be really cool. I don't have a lot of haunted house experience. Well, I have some. Go I've, I, going to, uh, I think I was down in, in Orlando as a kid at a haunted house. And then the, the Toronto exhibition every year here has, a, has one, which I went to many years in a row. I think the last haunted house I went to was in Niagara Falls. <laughs> One of those haunted house places, like the House yeah. of Wax or whatnot. Built into a casino, probably. But we, uh, this was before the casino. This was back in the late 80s, early 90s kind of thing. And I was there with another guy, Andrew, who I was in a drum corps with him in a pipe band. And uh, we had to leave halfway through because he was too scared. <laughs> <laughs> Poor Andrew. Well, so that's my only experience. I'm like, hey, that was kind of interesting. He's like, I've got to get out of here. When I saw E.T. in the theater, I was with one of my cousins. And we had to leave because my cousin was too scared. He is um, two years younger than me. So I don't know. When, when did E.T. come out? 80, 84. 84? All right. So I was nine. He was seven. Seven is too young for E.T. Seven's a little young. And when E.T. appears in the in the cornfield or whatever it is, yeah. and it's night and Drew Barrymore is looking for him, and he sort of pops out and she screams, he was too scared we had to leave. Oh. My, my friend Daryl had to leave uh, halfway through Saving Private Ryan, Saving Private Ryan, because it was too much he, shaky cam. And he was like 30 years old at the time. Well, he was. It was too much shaky cam, and it made him sick. Oh, uh, well, so that's I, different. I get out of here. He wasn't afraid. He was just ill. No. 
All right. I'm afraid of Tom Hanks. I can't stand it. I <laughs> ben, ben Diesel. Oh, my God. <laughs> oh, my God. Uh, okay. The Walking Dead Emmy nominations. The oh, Emmys were good, announced good, good. not too long ago. AMC got a crap ton of nominations. That's a lot, I hear. For everything but The Walking Dead. Oh. Mad Men, Breaking Bad, um, probably some other stuff, too. The Killing was canceled, by Killing the way, was canceled. So I heard that. I don't know if they got too much for that. But The Walking Dead was nominated for Outstanding Prosthetic Makeup for Season 2, Episode 1, What Lies Ahead. Nice. That, of course, is a Greg Nicotero and the KNB FX team. Mm-hmm. Uh, pick up the nomination there. Um, the visual effects supervisors Victor Scalise, Jason Sperling, and Daryl Pritchett were nominated for Outstanding Visual Effects for their work on Episode 13 in Season 2, Beside the Dying Fire. Mm-hmm. And Supervising Sound Editor Jerry Ross was nominated for Outstanding Sound Editing for Beside the Dying Fire as well. Hmm. <clears throat> so no. a lot of technical type nominations. Were any actors nominated? No. Not a one. Not one. No actors. Nothing. No directing. No scripts. No scripts. Um, no just general, you know, best of TV kind of awards. Just the 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 uh, visual effects and makeup and sound. That's a little surprising, actually. Um, a little bit, but not entirely. I mean, this is the highest rated show on TV, but it still falls in sort of genre show. Yeah. And you know, you gotta you get the feeling that. The it's the it's the more mainstream type ones that go f- that get the nominations the comedies the dramas not the zombie horror shows right. it's sort of like uh, comedies at the Oscars <clears throat> yeah they don't Com- get comedies can't get shit at the Oscars <laughs> no exactly and that's you're exactly right that's sort of what it's here you know you put zombies in your show and you're not getting nominated hmm. I guess I don't know maybe The Walking Dead next season will transcend all of that and truly be the greatest thing ever. And and pick up all the awards. They need William Shatner. If William Shatner were on this show, it would get Emmys. Are you sure? I'm. Ab- he's got two Emmys. That's fine. But given the, man, the right circumstances, he's good. The man is made of gold. Everything he touches is brilliant. All right. I'm not sure I'm on board with that. You, you got to be on. Argue with me. How do you? How with? How can that not be true? Well, the right things. He knows where to put his focus and put his talent. Well, the man's a genius. Absolutely. He's a genius at self-deprecation. He's as a kook. He made a career out of being a kook. Totally. That <laughs> Does that work on The Walking Dead? I'm not so sure. I'm not so sure. But he was on uh, Third Rock from the Sun. That was genius. I've never seen that. Oh, he was the big giant head. <laughs> well, that works. See? <laughs> yeah, it was great. <laughs> the 64th Annual Primetime Emmy Awards will air on Sunday, September 23rd on ABC. So we'll find out then. If any of these awards come to fruition with a win for The Walking Dead. That'd be good. Sarah Wayne Callies was interviewed. This is an interesting one. Mm-hmm. And she says that Lori has to die. Of course she does. I read this in The Hollywood Reporter. And the quote is from uh, Callies. I've said from the beginning, not only am I okay with Lori dying, but I think she has to. Um, I've played this character with an eye toward the end. So... She wants out of her contract. Well, it sounds like she kind of wants off the show, which is fine. But even if it's not, she's and she's being totally genuine here. She's like, the character needs to die so that other characters can develop from that and progress to new, different things. Right. And you know what? She's pregnant on this show. They're not going to want to have a baby hanging around this group all the time. Think no. about the things that they would have to not do because there's a baby hanging around. So I guarantee you, Sarah Wayne Callies is done by the end of season two. You think three, so? Three, three, season three. 
You think it's going to be that quick? I'm I'm calling that right now. Yeah. All right. Calling it right now. Well, it makes perfect sense. I mean, as far as the comic book goes, uh, you know, it, it would follow follow right in line with what happens in the comic book, and from what we can see of what's going to happen in season three. Yes, except that I don't think the baby will ever be born on the show. You think it'll be? She'll. Uh, I think she'll be killed before delivery. Hmm. Which is almost. You know, which is almost worse, almost more harsh. Yeah, uh, yes and no. I mean, killing babies, well, it's really bad for ratings. I think it's it is killing a pregnant woman, pretty bad still. Killing a pregnant woman can be pretty bad, but killing a baby, <laughs> I know it's it. Either way, it's harsh. Either way, it makes me feel sort of bad. Yeah, <laughs> no matter what. So, anyways, she thinks Lori has to die. So, uh, who knows what she knows? Who knows how how far ahead in scripts she has read? Probably not that far. No, she doesn't know anything. This is her personal opinion. I I, I don't think that this has any bearing on how the act- the show is actually going to go. I wonder if she's just throwing it out there now to sort of subtly hint to everyone involved. You know, I don't really you want to go I mean? past season three here. So let's let's get this done. Lori's got to die. You know what I mean? You yeah. Know what I mean? You know what I mean? You know what I mean? Nudge nudge. Um. All right, in some sad news, not really sad, but in some unfortunate news, three people were injured when a tree fell on them on the Walking Dead set. Eek. Yeah. Now, was the tree rigged to fall or? No, I think they, I believe they set up a, like a crew tent uh, near some trees and one of them just fell down. Maybe oh. it was old and rotted or something. Is there a wind? Uh, Maybe. I don't know. That's un- that's that's too bad. The first units on the scene reported that they had three male subjects inside a van with head trauma and neck and back pain. Uh, when additional fire crews and the Coeta Emergency Medical Service arrived, the patients were triaged and removed from the van in order of the seriousness of the injuries. <laughs> so I don't have any details on the injuries other than uh, head kind trauma. Of re- kind of redundant because that's the pain. whole point of triage. Yeah, organized people... <laughs> You know, the ones that are going to die the soonest, treat them first. Exactly. Um, due to the topography topography of the road system, the studio staff didn't know if our units could reach their location, so they transported them to a more accessible area. Uh, so it sounds like they were kind of remote in the woods somewhere. Yeah. Maybe. So. Are they, or they just dragged them to the road. <laughs> yeah. The crew just dragged them out and said, <laughs> here, just, you'll, you'll be fine. By the tree, but it was across a creek and over a bridge, and, <laughs> you know, we just... We didn't think that the ambulance could get across the walking bridge, so uh, we just dragged him to the road for you. Is that okay? And we just left him there. It'll be fine. He's got a spinal injury, but, uh, you know, dragging him 50 feet, no problem. (laughs) No problem. So, glad to hear no one one was killed, of course, and it doesn't sound like anyone has too serious injuries, although head trauma can be pretty serious. Oh, yeah, it can be. If that tree lands right on you, you're uh, you might be in rough shape. But well, I'm glad that it's not uh, you know due to negligence of some kind because yeah. that's 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 hard to hear. Is that if they were negligent and somebody was injured, that's one thing. This seems sounds like a pure accident. Exactly, there was just a rotting tree or something that happened to fall, and the tent was just in the wrong place at the wrong time. Yeah. So glad to hear everyone. Uh, hopefully, we'll be okay though. Yeah. Finally, in the news this week, AMC unleashed some zombies on New York City recently. They did. And this is another move in their ongoing battle against Dish, the Dish Network, mm-hmm. for dropping the show. 
uh, from Mashable to, prote- to protest the Dish Network's recent move to drop AMC and its popular Walking Dead series. The network unleashed cr- a crew of zombie of Hollywood-caliber zombies onto the streets of New York, disguising themselves as police officers, hot dog vendors, and pedestrians. Right. So just before we started, we watched the video of this. Yes, we did. And I thought it looked semi-entertaining. It looked like people were actually kind of startled and frightened and screaming and run away from ran away from them, which I thought was kind of fun. Yep. Um, but is there any point to this? I mean, is there any reason for AMC to be doing this kind of thing to let Dish know that, that you know, you, you, we don't like you guys? I, I think it's, uh, I got, I think it's a, a, an attempt to grab attention for the situation, for one. For sure. Obviously. And <clears throat> the, uh, the tagline at the end was, uh, keep zombies off the streets, keep them on television. It was or- something like. Put zombies back where they belong, you know, yeah. on the on TV or something like that. Okay, so I'm trying not to hard. I'm trying hard not to think of this as some kind of comedic terrorism because the whole idea is they're unleashing sort of startling uh, terror on the city of New York, and if you don't do this, we're gonna do this some more. Yeah. Okay, that's kind of a harsh way of putting it, but that's exactly what it is. Yeah, it's comedic so, it, terrorism. It's, it's comedic because it's not real terrorism, unless you know. I got another problem, but we'll come to that in a second. It's sort of like uh, you know, it's just like we're we did this. Uh, you know, if you want it to stop, put it back on your on your network. But right? that's not really what they're saying. They're not. They're not aiming at Dish. Going, you know, we're upsetting random people that may or may not be Dish customers until you put the shows back on. They're just trying to bring awareness amongst the population to the fact that Dish dropped. Yeah, I had a very similar problem with uh, Candid Camera back in the 50s because you're doing this to unsuspected people. I'm not a big fan of this kind of thing. Playing tricks on people, uh, pranks, that kind of stuff. Like, they're startling people, like, severely. Like, like Greg Nicotero was involved in these zombies because they looked awesome. They're real-looking zombies, right? Exactly. And if you saw somebody walking down the street that looked like that, it's going to be, A, startling and probably terrorizing just like it's going to be very scary to see that kind of thing oh my god what's the matter with you right uh second of all uh i'm surprised none of these people got hurt because you know you see zombies in tv shows what do you do you bash him in the head (laughs) you know and they're having these unsuspected people walking around the city of new york you cannot have a guy dressed up like barney walking around by himself because he will get hurt Barney the purple dinosaur? The big purple dinosaur. He has to, he used, when he was popular, and he would walk through a mall, like I worked at a booking agency that booked Barney. Uh-huh. He had to have at least two handlers and a security guard following him around. Because if he was by himself, he would get hurt. Because teenagers would want to kick his ass. They would kick the shit out of this guy. <laughs> okay? So these people walking around like zombies, I think that it's probably dangerous for them because there's, you know, society is breeding into, into themselves that, or the television is breeding into society that you should injure zombies. You see a zombie, you kill a zombie. I I I agree with that, but I'm first of all, there probably were security personnel on the scene. Okay. You just don't really see it. Good. And second of all, I don't know. Have a sense of humor. <laughs> okay, when you when you startle somebody and if you ever I know. watch uh, American's funniest home videos or whatever, when you startle somebody, th- there is an instinct to lash out. There is there is a uh, there's a reflex almost fight or flight. to lash to lash out. You're yeah. right. So you have to it, it it's it's dangerous. <laughs> and the second problem I had with this thing uh-huh. is that uh, they're subtly training society to react at, to seeing an actual zombie in a comedic way. 
like I see a zombie. Oh. Obviously, it's fake. Uh, it's somebody playing pulling a prank. There's a camera somewhere. They're they're doing something. You're saying it's a boy who cried wolf problem. Yes. Okay. So if there is a zombie outbreak, they're just making it worse because no one's going to take it seriously. Yeah. This is why I think that uh, the government is secretly uh, promoting alien movies. They're getting ready to announce. Right. And right, it's like <laughs> there there are aliens. They are amongst us. They've been here for years. Everybody's going to go. I knew it. Of course. Instead of being freaked out. At least we know how to handle it because of all those movies. Right. Okay. Well, I think it's sort of inconsequential. It was a neat video, but like it's it's a lot to ask people to make this connection between zombies hanging around New York City frightening people and a disagreement between big TV companies. Yeah. You it, know? It's kind of trivializing the whole situation. A little bit, even though it's entertaining. And I'm all for entertainment. Right. Uh, the final zombie in the video was one who was dragging a dish, satellite dish behind him. <laughs> yeah. That makes the point a little better. <laughs> it does. <laughs> so they should have all had that. But anyways, that's uh, that's it for the news this week. If you have any comments or thoughts on our news, send in your uh, feedback to TalkingDeadPodcast at gmail.com or give us a call on the zombie line at one 483 zomb we are going to take a short break to sponsor to uh, thank one of our, our sponsors for this episode. When we come back, we've got listener feedback and a fair bit of it from uh, you fine folks out there who've been listening. So um, we'll be right back. Stay tuned uh, right right after this. For you, the listeners of the Talking Dead podcast, Audible is offering a free audiobook download with a free 30-day trial to give you the opportunity to check out the service. Jason, you are Mr. Recommendation. What have you got for us this week? Bossy Pants. Oh, Bossy Pants Tina by Fey. Tina Fey. We just bought this. I just bought this over the weekend. Uh-huh. On my phone while at the cottage. Uh, yeah, so Bossy Pants, Tina Fey's autobiography. I've just got to read the first uh, paragraph the description because it's actually really good mm-hmm. before Liz Lemon before Weekend Update before Sailor Sarah Palin Tina Fey was just a young girl with a dream a reoccurring stress dream that she was being chased through a local airport by her middle school gym teacher she also had a dream that one day she would become a comedian on television she has seen both of these dreams come true apparently <laughs> so I'm curious yeah <laughs> I haven't listened to it yet but uh, I want to find out about that middle age middle school teacher gym teacher chasing her through an airport that's good my wife has read this book and she really enjoyed it oh, good. I've uh, I've listened to the first uh, or at least the free sample first little bit and it does sound good read by Tina Fey read by Tina Fey that is exciting so uh, this uh, yeah that should be really really good it comes in at 5 hours 35 minutes very cool Bossy Pants by Tina Fey if you want to download that book or any other from the 100,000 title strong catalog, go to audibletrial.com slash talking dead. That is audibletrial.com slash talking dead for your free audiobook. And we'll sing in that 
Listener feedback. All right. We got some good listener feedback this week. Um, first of all, email. Uh, Larry sent an email. Larry from Hoosick Falls. Ooh, cool town name sounds there. Sounds like fun. Yeah. Never heard of it, but it sounds like a cool place. And he wrote in on a weird thing he found in the comics. So here's what he said. When we first encounter Michonne, she's walking outside the prison with her boyfriend and his best friend on a leash. We notice no arms and lower jaws removed. We know that from Playboy. Yes, we do. Okay. Just wanted to throw that out there. <laughs> That's not the only thing I know from Playboy. <laughs> Rick meets her at the gate, allows her in uh, without sword or boyfriend slash friend. Uh, and she just <clears throat> chops the heads off. Here's the interesting part I never noticed until I was on the can at 2.30 in the morning. Nice. Larry, you wrote that. The next <laughs> panel is of her removing the collars from the heads. But now the bodies have arms. Honestly wondering if anybody noticed this. Hmm. So I went back to my comic book. Uh, volume two hardcover in case anyone is wondering and i found that section and larry's absolutely right it's weird michonne is there she's talking to rick and rick says if you're willing to give up all your weapons and be locked in your cell at night you're welcome to stay he's Hmm. a bit of a dick but whatever yeah he doesn't know her yet um but just you they aren't coming inside and he's referring to her zombie protectors so the next panel you see the heads chop off uh, with a throck. That's the sound effect given. Cool. And then the next panel after that is Michonne saying, well, I won't need them anymore. And it's a wide shot. The zombies are lying on the ground. She's removing the chains from their severed heads and both bodies have arms. Wow. It's it's a really weird continuity error. An actual comic book continuity error. You, yeah. It's it's strange. Like, I, I don't read a lot of comics, but... You would think that a continuity error like that would be hard to miss. Well, okay, it's not the next panel, right? It's the next panel that is uh, about this subject. Like, there's uh, there's a bunch that goes on between. There's like two or three pages. Yeah, yeah. You see, you see Michonne um, a fair bit in the pages leading up to that, with other stuff intercut because there's a big gun battle happening at the at the prison. Right. Um, but Michonne is outside doing stuff. She's killing zombies, this and that. And you cut back and forth a couple of times. But then when everything is over and calmed down, she's there. And then uh, there it is. Zombies with arms. No, but the the, the, the panel where she actually cuts the heads off. Right? Is here. Yeah. Uh, oh, yeah, right. Okay. So right there. the next panel. And then it was the next panel. All right. So the, I'm thinking of the panel before where we see they don't have arms. Yeah. It's, it is at least, because uh, you can't see it there, it is at least a few pages Um before that, where the last time you see those zombies without actual arms. But still, it's the same issue of the comic. 
you know, it's, it's, I think it is anyways. Um, are we going to, we're going to have uh, Rick with uh, two hands at some point in the comics? <laughs> yeah. Somewhere. Oh, I, I forgot. <laughs> Oops. <laughs> Oops. You know, it, it's almost that blatant. Like if Rick was, had, if Rick had two hands on one panel and they didn't notice. Right. Well, you know, not honestly, quite. this is the first time we saw Michonne, right? It's the first time we saw the, uh, the zombies, uh, her little, uh, entourage with her. Uh, you know, at this point, we didn't know how big of a character she was going to be. Mm-hmm. Nobody did. <clears throat> True. Uh, maybe uh, uh, maybe they knew that she would become a, a huge character in the end, or maybe not. But whoever was reading this and whoever was in charge of continuity uh, probably didn't think anything of it at the time. Yeah. I mean, this is early on when The Walking Dead wasn't the massive media juggernaut that it is now. Right. So this might have just been Kirkman, right? Right. And, and, and you know... Um, and the uh, the illustrator, and you know, he probably drew it. Who knows? I mean, maybe this panel came from somewhere else. All right, so I don't know. okay, so just uh, to be the devil's advocate here, are we sure that the heads that she's taking the collar off belong to the two headless zombies that are lying on the ground? Well, I mean, you don't see the sword severing the heads, but you do see the heads with collars and chains attached to them. There are, are no other zombies that are well, I'm chained. just thinking in the next panel where we see the ones with arms, the bodies lying there with arms, are we sure that those are the two that uh, that she showed up with? Because there, right. there wasn't the, there were in the middle of a zombie attack at the time, right? It's true. There could be lots of bodies lying around. It looks pretty clear, though, that those I mean, are I know. the zombies. I'm just thinking maybe the camera doesn't have a wide enough lens on it. I don't know. It's a comic book. There's no camera. I realize it. I got it. Um, you know, I guess those heads could have flown a, a, a fair distance, but why have a scene, Why have a panel where she's there, two bodies, two heads, and no, it's obviously it. a mistake. I'm just thinking that maybe, <laughs> possibly, we could explain away this continuity error. That's that. That's what Robert Kirkman would tell you. Those aren't necessarily the same bodies, and he Come would on. say it in that funny voice too. Okay, so zombies are like werewolves. When you kill a werewolf, they turn back into a human body when they're di- when they die. So zombies, when they die, they regrow whatever limb has been lopped off. Instantaneously. Instantaneously. <laughs> previously. And, and the clothing that goes with it, because those arms have clothes on them. <laughs> yeah, so th- at least that one has a shirt on. Yeah, so that's magic clothing as well. <laughs> I think maybe this is a re- not a reused panel, but maybe it was an outtake panel, like drawn somewhere else, and he, he had a deadline, and he had to just cut a panel in, and he added Michonne, and they just moved on. All right, we should write... Kirkman a letter asking for an explanation you know back in the day when I used to read X-Men comics and stuff like that I think it was X-Men you could write in um, you can always write into comics and they publish letters in the back of the comic like like they do in The Walking Dead Dear The Walking Dead yeah well you could write into I think it was X-Men and claim that you found an inconsistency or a problem or something like that and there was a mythical prize that you were supposed to win if you found something. But I don't believe anyone ever found it because the writer or the editor who responded to letters always had some sort of explanation for everything. So good at bullshit. Yeah, that, uh, exactly. Yeah. And it was just the shtick, right? Like, yeah. there was no prize or whatever. They just, it was kind of fun and it encouraged people to write in and really study the comics. It it worked out for the people selling these comics. I think we should write in. I think we should write in and say, we found a continuity error, blah, 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 explain the whole situation. Come on the podcast and explain this. Not even that. Just uh, <laughs> write in, just say, uh, you know, uh, we found this continuity error. We think it's really kind of cool. Can you please send us an autographed headshot? 
I can't remember what the name of the prize was from the X-Men comics, but it had a name. And so people would write in and was say, it, thank it, you, I expect my name prize now. Adamantium Claws? No. I, please please no, no, send no. me my antimani- antimantium, ant- adamantium. adamantium Claws. Yeah, no, that would be cool. I'd like my skeleton encased in metal now, please. <laughs> Ouch. So there you go, continuity error. Uh, Larry also wrote in a PS. He said, P.S., could you guys say Zed a few more times for me? I have never heard Z called Zed until your podcast. Now I hear it all the blasted time. It's Canadian. It's a Canadian thing. The letter, the last letter of the alphabet up here is Zed, not Z. Um, I struggle with the book World War Z because I want to pronounce it World War Z, but I know that that's not really what Max no, Brooks would call it. Because it's World War Three, World War Z. I know, but you don't look at that and read World War Z in your head. I do. Yeah. Well, I think that uh, Canadians saying uh, Z instead of Z is uh, is too specific. Like, why why that one letter? Uh, why not all the others? A bed said dead. Ed F Jed. <laughs> H I Jed. Maybe. Elementoped. Do the whole alphabet. Q R S Ted U V E D W X Y and Z. There you go. That's not bad. Yeah. So all of them. Well, just Z. All of them. Okay. We don't do all of them. We just do Z. And as is typical with Canada, we tend to feel... Um, superior? No, not superior. We feel a little bit uh, in it, the shadow of the U.S. Oh, well, yeah. And so it is a point of national pride to to uh, identify the differences between this country and that country when it comes to language or food or culture or whatever. And so people here tend to make a big deal about kids in school learning the alphabet and learning Z and not Z. Right. Um, it's like, uh, the only thing the, and, and I, I must admit I'm like that too. I have kids and if they do the alphabet, they learn Z, not Z. Right. It doesn't rhyme when you're doing the X, Y, Z, come and sing with me or whatever it is, but whatever. We're Canadian. We're different. Yeah, we are a little different. We even have, uh, the, the rank of, uh, Lieutenant in Canada is pronounced Lieutenant. Lieutenant. Even though right. it's spelled Lieutenant. Right. It's, it's still pronounced Lieutenant. Exactly. Now, is that a British thing? It is a British thing. I don't think Z and Z is though, because I think in the in in the UK they say Z, but I'm not 100 percent sure. Uh, about yeah, that. we need somebody to tell us. We do. Uh, Carl in the UK, write in and tell us how you pronounce the last letter of the alphabet in your home country, or call in and uh, sing the alphabet song for us. That's a good idea. <laughs> Everyone should do that. From no matter where you're from, call in. And sing the alphabet song. There you go. I don't know what that has to do with zombies or The Walking Dead, but it would sure be entertaining. Montage time. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Uh, Shannon, next on listener feedback. Shannon from the internet writes in about the season three trailer that we talked about last time, I think. Mm-hmm. And she wrote a very long email with lots of good feedback. So I'd just like to say a big thank you to Shannon for that. She obviously put some time into it. But I have a section of that email I would like to read. It's also kind of long, but that's okay. Cool. She says, I have to say I disagree that the trailer gives away too much. Okay. That's something we talked about. I can't think of much in it that a dedicated fan of the show, the kind who reads articles about it on the internet or looks for info coming out of Comic-Con, etc., wouldn't already know from various news items or season two hints. For the not-so-dedicated, most of this stuff will look exciting but won't mean much. There's also the fact that someone who has knowledge of the comic book is going to pick up on a lot more than someone who doesn't. You are going to hear, welcome to Woodbury, and think, oh shit, whereas someone else has no idea uh, where that is going. I think sometimes knowing too much about the source material works against us. 
yeah, she's right, but she's wrong. <laughs> I kind of feel that way too. She's she's right. The people who know too much about it, and this is something we've talked about before, we know too much about it. And so we we can figure things out easier, we can analyze things quicker and faster, and that's it. And your average viewer doesn't have that problem. They just see something, they only watch it once and they're like, "Whoa, that's cool," and then they move yeah, on. Right. But we're a we're, you know, people like you and me and Shannon and a lot of our listeners are a big part of the audience too. Right. And that trailer gave a lot away in my mind. Yeah, well, yeah, that's 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 what I think she's wrong about is that I really do believe that trailer did give away just way too much. Even though it served its purpose, like it got us excited. Well, trailers are redundant on us, really. Mm-hmm. We're going to watch the show. We're excited about the show. You don't need a trailer to get us on board. That is uh, very, very true. Right. You don't. But anyways, I mean, it was a cool trailer. It served its purpose. It got me excited. I saw a lot in there that I think I really liked. Yep. And uh, it also gave me a pretty good idea, or at least I feel like it did, of where the show's going, Mm -hmm. at least in the beginning of season three. Shannon also said, I don't think Andrea was drugged or knocked out. I think she's sick. So we had speculated that, uh, you know, Andrea was unconscious when she got to Woodbury and she didn't know where she was and she was confused and so on. And so maybe she was attacked or, or just hit over the head or drugged or something like that. Um, uh, but uh, but Shannon is saying, I think she's sick. Michonne is getting some kind of medicine in the store, which is true. And we also see Andrea walking down uh, the road wrapped in a blanket or sweater while everyone else looks as sweaty and hot as usual. Hmm. Me- uh, she looks tired and like she's breathing heavily when Michonne tells her someone is coming. Maybe that's why they get caught by the governor and why she seems to be waking up with a little idea of what is going on. Right. And as we know, some time has passed here. Because people's hair has grown and this and that. So she, you know, her and um, Andrea Michonne might have been wandering around for a little while, giving her lots of time to get sick, pick up a virus or something like that. Right. And, you know, not just be hit over the head and unconscious. Right. As long as she didn't get uh, <clears throat> bit and got that virus and then recovered from it, uh, would be fine. That would be uncool. It would be it would weird. Be weird, yeah. <laughs> She's immune. Yeah, I don't I don't want anyone to be immune. Oh man, yeah, that never came up in the comic book, did it? No, not really. But I don't know. I think it's a good theory. I like it, Shannon, and I'm gonna go with that. I think Carl's immune. He's immune to bullets. <laughs> <laughs> He's immune to bullets. Yeah. That may be true. Lee from the internet wrote about issue number one hundred. I just can't believe that Rick would fall asleep on watch. Uh, so if you recall, Rick was sitting on top of the RV in issue number 100 of the comic and dozes off. And that's when Nagan and all his cronies show up. Right. So Lee says, I can't believe Rick would fall asleep on watch. Who the hell is this guy? The scene was set up in a way that gave the group no way to fight back or escape. I was disappointed in this because the whole joy of the Walking Dead story comes from seeing the characters fight back, escape, and persevere through every seemingly hopeless situation. I hated seeing them all just sit there and take it. I guess the whole thing just seemed a little too straightforward in the execution. I expected a more riveting story from all the hype, not just shocking violence. Well, uh, I think Kirkman has said this uh, before, that uh, if you're expecting something, that's not what's going to happen. It's not what's going to happen. You're absolutely right. But I think Lee's point here is well stated in that... They introduce this villain character who is clearly a horrible, horrible human being because Rick, our main character and most steadfast in his resolution, falls asleep on top of a van. 
on top of the RV. He's tired. Yeah, I know, but it seems it does seem out of character when you think about it. It does. It's a little. Uh, that said, maybe yeah. after this long in the zombie apocalypse, he's become a little bit uh, soft or or complacent. He did say uh, an issue or two earlier that the the whole zombie situation is being become old hat. They got that under control now. Yeah. So he's probably relaxing a little bit. Well, before I finish Lee's uh, email, I have one from George here, and he says, On issue number 100, I know this may be a bit cheesy, and I may be grasping at straws, because Glenn being, is my favorite character, but I want to believe that this is all a dream that Rick is having. Oh, come on. As he's keeping watch just before Nagan and his band of goons show up, I get the feeling that Rick is dozing off. And I don't think that's a feeling. I think that's clear in the comic that Rick falls asleep on top of that van. Oh, okay. As long as the whole comic book is not a dream and he wakes up in the the hospital. Yeah, not uh, that. Okay. People speculate that too, that he wakes up in the hospital. Yeah, and I can't get on board with that. I think that's a horrible idea and I sure hope that that's not the truth. Not the truth. But... This is more specific, and I might could buy it, if I may make up a phrase. Very specifically. One, like, they're there, he sits down, he falls asleep, he dreams that Negan and everyone shows up, because they're going to see them, right? Yeah. So he's obviously thinking about it, he's probably really worried about it, he doesn't know what to expect, that would affect your subconscious and potentially cause horrible, horrible dreams. So he falls asleep, he has a dream, they all show up, um... And they're all men, which is a little unrealistic when you think about it. Not really. Maybe not. But what are they, protecting the women and children at home, I guess? Yeah, probably. And then he bashes... I I disagree with that. Hold on. Then he bashes Glenn's head in. Yeah. And now issue number 101, Rick's going to wake up and be like, whoa, I hope it doesn't go down like that. Right. I mean, you're (laughs) right. I could... I could almost get on board with that based on my desire to have something good happen to these characters in the comic book. But it's also a dream is so hard to pull off in any narrative yeah. where something important happens in the dream. It would be, uh, the, the only phrase I can think of is a reverse kick in the pants because this is, the, what happened is kind of a kick in the pants and this would just kind of completely undo it. Right. And right. that's why it's hard to pull off is because something important happens and you're like, eh, no, erase. Let's keep going. I don't know. It's an interesting theory, but it, it on one hand... I think Marvel and DC have both done complete dream sequences where they've done this. Like, it, this has happened before. They've done alternate universes. They've done dream sequences. I think this is all... Uh, this kind of idea is not new. No. To, to, to pull the wool over your eyes and say, okay, this thing happened. Holy crap. And then the next issue, yeah, that was pretty much a dream. But people's tendencies when they're, uh, when they're doing, when they try to pull off a dream in, in some sort of story is to make it massive. Like make it huge. Like Rick lying in that coma. hundred issues <clears throat> is a dream. And now he wakes up and he's in the hospital, right? Reboot the whole effing thing. That's their tendency, to do it on such a small scale like this, where he just falls asleep for five minutes on top of a van one night, and it's basically one extended scene, and then we're back back there. It's a nightmare, yeah. I don't think that's going to happen. Kirkman, I I don't buy that he would do this. I don't think he would ever go back on something. I've had nightmares about smaller subjects than this. Oh yeah, for goes sure. off, and I first I I was trying to serve a tennis ball with a tennis rack, and I couldn't do it. For the life of me, I could not hit that ball. <laughs> you don't even play tennis. I've played tennis in high school, and I could hit that ball. I haven't played tennis since high school, and therefore couldn't hit the ball. But it was a nightmare. I woke up, you know, startled, going, "Man, I really couldn't hit that ball." Yeah, 
you know, so having a nightmare about a bunch of people showing up and killing my best friend or a good friend of mine or somebody I've been hanging out with for a while, you know, that's uh, very upsetting. And and within the realm of possibility, which is, I think, why we've given the last five or ten minutes to this idea here, even though we both think it's a bit crazy. Yeah. You know? The worst nightmare I ever had was when I was a kid and Tom and Jerry got flushed down the drain. <laughs> oh, it was horrifying. I still... As a, about it. as a kid, I used to. I had a recurring dream where I was being chased by witches, oh, yeah. and they would chase me up onto sort of a hill where there was a cliff, and then I'd have nowhere to go except off that cliff, and then I'd wake up. Right. And I had that more than once, like enough that I remember it to this day. Oh, cool. So yes, it, this could be a dream. I wouldn't. Uh, I wouldn't put it past uh, Kirkman and uh, Image Comics. Oh, I. I do. I don't think they'd ever go for it, <clears throat> but. It is within the realm of possibility. Or that's, maybe just uh, the whole all issue 100 was a continuity error. <laughs> we know that they're prone to that now. That's right. Who knows what's going to happen? God. Well, to go back to Lee, she also said, the biggest downer for me is the feeling that this felt like a jump the shark kind of moment, that Kirkman is just trying to keep fans interested by one-upping the violence factor all the time. Hopefully this kind of thinking won't affect how the TV show unfolds, and hopefully Kirkman will uh, design a satisfying end to the comics rather than dragging the story out for the sake of the gravy train. Should we explain the uh, the phrase jump the shark? Does everybody know what that means? <clears throat> I think everyone knows the phrase jump the shark. If not, go Google it. You'll find out. And I don't think there's anything more to say. Lee expressed that very well. Um, yeah. It's, it's, it, it is a possibility that, is. This, that this issue 100 has... Uh, you know, is the jump the shark moment. It's one of those things where it's, <clears throat> it's, it's a hundred issues. You're, 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 there's so much buildup for it. You almost can't live up to that, right? There's almost no way. Yeah. And I guess Kirkman tried to by doing what he did. Um, but even so, it was a bit of a letdown. They could have done the issue in color. <sighs> that would have been cool. That might have distracted people from the lackluster story. <laughs> that's all i'm saying i tried to you know end it on an upbeat moment and you brought it right back down right back down all right hey man i still like the show <laughs> i still yeah. like the comic too yeah. uh mike from philadelphia writes about the trailer uh he wrote in a few things that we may not have noticed and the, the one I, I wanted to pull out here was at 344 Lori is holding beth with bloody hands as they look down at something with horrified looks on their faces Maybe Herschel is lying there dying or dead. Because if Beth is that upset and they're all bloody, we speculated last time that Herschel might not survive. We, I, at least I think maybe yeah. the Herschel might be one to go. In the pilot. Or maybe, not the pilot, the uh, premiere. Uh, in the premiere or soon after because um, Rick says we spilled blood. Yeah. Taking that prison. And so, you know, we spilled blood. Somebody died. It was Herschel. Right. So maybe... This scene here with uh, with uh, Beth looking so upset, maybe her dad just bit the f- bought the farm. <laughs> <laughs> bit the farm. Sorry. <laughs> or bought the farm. Yeah. Ret- return to the farm. Return to the farm, yeah. <laughs> exactly. Kick the bucket on the farm. Yes. Uh, who knows? But it's interesting. Mike also says, the best thing I found since the trailer came out, an interview with Glenn Mazzara, Gail Ann Hurd, and Norman Reedus. The interviewer says, I had a chance to check out the season three trailer before running over here, and it's fantastic. I can't believe how much of the series you were able to cover only six episodes in. And Hurd replies, all that footage was only from the first three episodes. (laughs) And uh, Mike finishes with, holy crap, the season's going to be awesome. So everything we saw in that trailer was from the first three episodes? Uh, yes. 
That sounds a little jam-packed, if you ask me. Well, are they doing an extended uh, premiere again? We, we do not know yet. That could very well be. We could have a 90-minute premiere. Yep, 90-minute premiere, and then two more hours. Or so three yep. and a half hours, and like everything we gleaned from that trailer, I guess, happens in that three and a half hour period. That's only one minute per hour of footage, because it was four minutes, right? So That's true. True, so, but... You know, compiled one minute per hour of storyline, or television hour, 44 minutes. Well, in, that being the case, I'm thinking then this first episode includes... Uh, I don't know, the group getting to the prison and probably clearing it out. Like, that's a lot to happen in one episode. It really is. I, you know, we may or may not see Michonne and Andrea get picked up by the governor. Maybe we won't see them at all in the first episode. Oh, I think... And um, then in the second one, it sort of focuses on them. Like, maybe we don't jump back and forth. Maybe we get episode about our group, episode about Michonne and Andrea, and they're separated until they come together later on in the series somewhere. I'm gonna I'm gonna call it right here that the cold open for the premiere is uh, Andrea and Michonne getting picked up by the governor. Really, the cold open. Okay, uh, we'll see. That's a pretty good call. I could see it. Yeah. I could see it. Anyhow, three episodes, man. This they've said that this season is going to be faster paced, and it seems to be shaping up that way. It sure is. <laughs> Maybe it'll all be cut just like the. Uh, like the, uh, the what do you call it? The trailer. <laughs> yeah. It'll just be, you know, entered, you know, spaced quick cuts of things happening. Of like, stuff happening. What? 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 With the, rewind no, that. What happened? <laughs> with no what? context. Yeah. Uh, Chris from Phoenix City writes in and says, did you notice at the end of the trailer that one of the zombies looks like Daryl at minute 328? And this is something that people started pointing out to me pretty much as soon as we put up our last episode, that there is a zombie there that really, really Looks like Norman Reedus. It kind of does, yeah. You looked at it? Well, yeah, and I posted on the on the Facebook page that uh, that zombie is wearing sleeves. There's sleeves on his shirt. Oh, so it can't be him. Well, then somebody replied. So I'm thinking, like, it's been a long time since Daryl wore sleeves. Uh-huh. If ever. I don't know if we've ever seen him in sleeves. Maybe not. Uh, but uh, somebody pointed out on the Facebook page that uh, it looked like a prison uniform. Mm-hmm. So maybe Daryl changed into a prison uniform for whatever reason. Well, clean clothes. Clean clothes. I don't know. Daryl doesn't strike me as a clean clothes kind of guy. No, those that ear necklace is going to dirty them up pretty fast. Yeah. So, uh, yeah, sleeves. So my mind is made up that it's not Daryl because the guy has sleeves. If Daryl had changed into clean clothes, he would have cut the sleeves off. Yeah, probably. Just for comfort and uh, airability of his armpits. Yeah. <laughs> and sexability. I guess so. <laughs> Show those muscular arms of his. That's right. Um, I looked at it, and it really, I really did think it looks like him. But there's a couple of problems here. One, they wouldn't give that away. I mean, they make continuity errors in the comic book, clearly. But in the trailer, we're going to get a scene of, like, the best character on the show as a zombie before we even know that's happening? Come on. Well, that could be a series of mistakes, right? The editor put together the thing and was, like, looking at different clips. And it's like, oh, a clip of a zombie. I'm going to throw that in there. Uh, You know, just randomly picked one. And it happened to be uh, Norman Reedus. And then whoever was watching it was like, oh, yeah, zombie, blah, blah, blah. Or nobody really watched it because that's, like, what? Uh, oh, time frame was it three minutes something? Three twenty-eight. So that's pretty right far close into it. To the end, yeah. right? So maybe everybody related to the television show, all the producers and stuff, were bored by that point. So like, yeah, blah blah blah, zombie, blah blah blah. Nobody realized 
until later it's like oh crap that's daryl well and you know what i i work in an industry where uh user testing and proofing is very important yeah and nobody ever does it sufficiently never so if somebody put this trailer together even accidentally cut in that zombie because they weren't really paying attention I bet you the people who were supposed to check this thing didn't even make it to 328. (laughs) Right. Or they fast forward or whatever, or they started reading an email while watching it. Right. Or somebody knocked on the door and they said, come in, and they started, you know, making their lunch order, whatever. The other thing here is Dave looked at this and he said, no, it's not him. The face, the cheeks are different, I think he said. The jowls are different. Well, there's makeup. There's a lot of makeup. Um, I also showed it to my wife, who has an uncanny ability to recognize actors. She does. She knows. I'll testify to this. She knows. She can be watching something and be like, that's the guy that was in that other movie we saw eight years ago with a tiny bit part. And here's his name. And here's the other four things he's been in since then. She picked out Frodo in Back to the Future. Yeah, exactly. Frodo's in Back to the Future. Find Frodo in Back to the Future. (laughs) If you can do that, then you are on a skill level of your wife. (laughs) So she knows, she just is weird with this. I've told her, I I wish you could put this weird talent to some use that we could make a lot of money, but so far we haven't figured that out. My wife's better at this too than than I am. She's much better at TV than me. Oh, yeah, yeah. Way better. Uh, Anyways, I showed it to her and she's like, no, that's not him. Not not him. So I I take her word for it that it's just somebody who happens to look like him, but it's not actually Norman Reedus. All right. If he's got sleeves and Christina says it's not him, it's not him. It's not him. All right. Moving on. Our last email today comes from Jason in Washington, D.C. At least I think so, because he's talking about Washington, D.C. in his email. Anyways, hopefully, Jason, (laughs) you're from Washington. Um, On the logic of issue number 100, this is an excerpt from his email. He says... My thinking when the group reached Washington, D.C. was that there was going to be a genuine change of direction in terms of finding stability and perhaps taking the comic in a different direction in terms of building lives and establishing a sustainable community. Kirkman thinks otherwise and decided to take it down a similar track that we have seen, uh, but uh, but that being so, the logic of events don't necessarily mesh. Why didn't the Hilltop group and Nagan's group have any contact with the Washington, D.C. settlement prior to Rick's group arriving there. The confluence of events uh, taking place during the time frame that Rick arrives in D.C. indicates that Kirkman either doesn't know how to transcend the comic or doesn't want to. Um, I should have included this when we were talking about the comic, but that aside, um, Jason didn't really like issue number 100 from, from his email. And this is the part I pulled out. What he's basically saying is Rick and the crew arrive... At this one settlement, yeah, there are these other two out there. How come these guys didn't know about them, or there was no contact before this? And now all of a sudden, it's happening. Uh, well, there's got to be for a time for first contact. Yeah, right? it's true. I mean, it could just be that they just didn't contact each other. I didn't know that. Just as an example, way off the topic, I didn't know that the word tarp was short for the word tarpaulin until I was forty years old. Gaps in everybody's knowledge. There's I guess. a gap in everybody's knowledge. There's just things that do not come together on, for a very long time, and there is a lot of holy crap! I can't believe you didn't know that. So it's perfectly possible that these settlements and groups of people were there, going about their lives, and just happened to not cross paths. Right. If, if you ever play, yeah. you ever play Civilization. Many. I mean, lots. All right. Okay. Many, many lots. Many times. So, you know, you have your little uh, fog of war thing and you don't know what's going on. You ever, like, build up a bunch of uh, a big civilization and all of a sudden you take a step to the right and it's like, holy crap, there's a big city there. How do you not know there's a big damn city there and it's like four squares away from, away from your city? 
They knew you were there, and it's just for some reason you just don't know it. Sometimes the fog of war just gets in the way. Okay, I can see that. Uh, you know, I can I can understand uh, Jason's point here, but I think it's just something you have to accept. Well, it's not like they all have you know radio stations and television broadcasts no. and you know things to announce that they're there. It's just you know you wander around until you stumble across a wall. Yeah, and who knows? I mean. There could have been some observing going on from a from a distance, right? And it just never came up in conversation or whatever. It's something that I think just has to be suspended disbelief and 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 that's it. But I don't know. I I we, see his point, but I think it's perfectly plausible that these two groups of civilizations have not run into each other till now. Yeah. Um, I can also see his his uh, you know dislike of of the issue. We've talked ad nauseum about it at this point, um, but this feels like sort of the lesser of one of the problems. Not to you know not to discount it or anything, but whatever. That's my favorite Latin phrase, ad nauseum. I know until it makes you sick. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> We're almost there, buddy. <laughs> Alrighty, that is going to wrap up, listener. Feedback before we end the show here. I just want to remind everyone we are in the middle of a act, Walking Dead actor spotlight on Scott Wilson. It's been going on for a while because we haven't uh, been able to schedule it into the show yet. Yeah, but we are going to finish watching all of his stuff and talk about it next time on the podcast, awesome. which is in two weeks from now. Two weeks after that, we will probably probably not go weekly quite yet. But as we get into September and closer to the season three premiere, we'll get back to a weekly schedule. Okay. Of course. Uh, but in two weeks, we will do our acting, Walking Dead actor spotlight on Scott Wilson. And once again, as a reminder, we will be, we will be watching In Cold Blood from 1967, one of his earliest roles. Uh, Big Stan. No, not Big Stan. We were thinking about that. We're not going to do it. <laughs> Behind the Mask, The Rise of Leslie Vernon, yes. where he plays a character called Eugene. I've already watched that one. You did? Yep. Oh, good. June Bug, another one where he plays a character called Eugene. That's kind of why we chose those two. Mm-hmm. The Ninth Configuration from 1980, a weird-looking movie. I just watched The Ninth Gate. Eh, it's not the same. No, it's not. And the 1985 Twilight Zone, season one, episode 17. He's in part of it. He's It's it's uh, two mini episodes in there, and he's right. in one of them. So that's what we, we will be watching for Scott Wilson. I think it's a career-spanning look at what he's done. That's awesome. So that'll be in two weeks. If you want to watch some some or all of those things and have any thoughts on them, by all means, put them together in a nice package and send them in to us. Put your fingers on the keyboard and package them up. And package them up. Uh, And that's it. I'm looking forward to finally uh, finally talking about Scott Wilson Mm -hmm. in depth a little bit more. Just before he's killed off. Just before he's killed off, whatever. <laughs> if Beth becomes a bigger part of the show, maybe we can look at her some of her past work. But it'll be like when we did Stephen Yun and he hasn't done any acting. <laughs> hey, he was in Big Bang Theory. Yeah, did he have a... Uh, we watched that. I think he had one line and he, he was did. gone. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> um, uh, Beth, we could listen to her album yep. and, and talk about that. Em- Emily Kinney. Okay, that's going to do it. Thanks for joining us, everybody. I should tell you how you can contact us if you want to. Um, there is always our toll-free Zombline, one 483 zomb Z-O-M-B, for anyone that doesn't sure. like the letter Z. Or Z-O-M-B-E-D. <clears throat> Z-O-M-B-E-D. <laughs> yes, in the Jason alphabet. Uh, we are on Twitter, at Talking Dead. 
or on Facebook at facebook.com slash thetalkingdead. That's where you want to go to post your favorite way to kill a zombie and enter the contest for a bag full of stuff. <laughs> wonderful, wonderful stuff. Wonderful stuff. And a loony. Yeah, Jason's going to throw a loony in there. put a loony in there. A Canadian dollar. Maybe a toonie if I bring one. Are there any... Um, are there any laws about giving away money to people? You're allowed to do that. Well, why wouldn't you? As part of a contest, like winnings in a contest? Oh, there Who might cares? be Lottery Corporation might get involved. The OLG, Ontario <laughs> Lottery Corporation. I don't. I think it's supposed to be licensed to give away actual money. But we're not giving away, uh, in, in my mind, we're not giving away uh, actual money. We're just giving away examples of money. We're lending it to you. Yeah, please send it back when you're done. <laughs> when you're done, yeah. No, no, no. What's going to happen is we're lending it to someone so that they can, if they're not already in Canada, can come to Canada and spend it on the assumption then that money will eventually make its way back into our hands. Well, that's the whole reason that uh, the OLG exists, right? They take in money and then spend it in the hopes that other people will spend money. It's It's a whole... Entrepreneurial. Thing. Okay, so we can't do that either. Well, yeah, I think we're okay with giving away a loony. A it's buck. just, a, it's just, a, we're not giving away the legal tender. We're not giving away the cash. We're just giving away an example or uh, just the coin. It'll be a chocolate loony that they can peel and oh, eat. Oh, I got some of those too. Yeah, so you can get toonies as well. You can. Um. Yes, our money has funny names. Uh, what's the last thing here? Talking Dead Podcast at gmail.com. That is our email address, and that's where you should send all correspondence if email is the way you want to do it. Cool. Thanks for listening, everybody, for the Talking Dead. My name is Chris. And my name is Jason. We will see you next time. Bye. <laughs>